0: So I thought, I don't know whether
1: my consciousness is full consciousness or not. I don't know whether my being is a proper being or not. But I do know where my rapture is. So let me hang on to rapture. And that will bring me both being and full consciousness. And it worked. Back to Bliss Monkey. I'm joined today by Linus Holmes. None the, other. Uh, none, none other. <laughs> Say hello, Linus. Hello, Linus. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. So our uh, our topic today is art. Mm. Which yeah. couldn't be
0: more broad. It couldn't be more broad, And of course, we said life.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, indeed. maybe maybe my life is art. Oh, there we go. Very um, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the impetus for this conversation is, at least in my mind, uh, a course that we're both doing mm. at Royal Holloway called uh, From Aestheticism to the Avant Garde. Uh, it's always a really nasty one nice to say to people, I find. It's, yeah. I
0: always get caught up in the words. Uh, yeah, I can't <laughs>
1: spell like, it. Indeed. I
0: it's it. like, yeah, you know, just get aestheticism <laughs> to the avant garde, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Uh, and like they're none the wiser to what it is by the end of that sentence.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm basically uh, curious. We have a incredibly um, enthusiastic professor mm. named Eric Robertson. Shout out to you, Eric Robertson, if you're listening to this. Um, and he's exceedingly. We we have two professors. They're they're both very artistic and interesting. Indeed. But Ro- Robertson is especially kind of. Um, well, he he's. Artistic consciousness is online. Mm. Let's put it that way. Mm. The the eloquence and the the verbiage that he's able to kind of whip out uh, in regards to like pieces of futurist, cubist art and Mm. poems is it's impressive and really interesting. Yeah, he's incredibly Uh,
0: well read on the subject, and nothing else. He just has such a passion for it as well. It's like yeah, he can he could he could analyze these things for days.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that I find so. compelling i think about um thinking about art is that it like opens your mind to a new kind of uh well yeah a new dimension mm. so i was i was curious because um, because you mentioned this before before we started recording that you you had a kind of artistic awakening artistic mm. not autistic yeah of course um an artistic awakening <laughs> oh, could, artistic could awakening, you yeah. uh, uh. could you run me through what what you meant by that well i mean like
0: obviously i have been encountered with you know good bits of art that sort of thing before this point, like I don't know, there've been just uh, amazing bits of theater, whatever plays, films, just all that, all that jazz. Before this point, but like that was uh, a very specific sort of set of uh, emotions, which was like more adrenaline, sort of fear-based, that sort of thing. So I don't know, you go see something hugely epic, uh, like let's say whatever. Lord of the Rings um, in cinemas, that sort of thing. And then you see The Woman in Black in theatres, and you're like, oh my god, I literally shat myself, that's so scary. (laughs) Um, But, like, when it comes to, you know, uh, art for the sake of, like, emotions which aren't based on, like, making you cramp yourself, um, it all really came together last year. Because, as you do, you fall in love for the first time, that sort of thing. So you start feeling these different, uh, you know, these, these beginnings of these things which you think, as a teenager, are uh, gross. Uh, or maybe not teenager. Maybe I'm being, you know, far too harsh to most teenagers. As a 12-year-old, you think, are uh, gross. Um, but, yeah, it was it was the case of, um, so I started falling in love. And I kind of started looking at particular sort of just actors doing, like, little scenes and that sort of thing. And thinking, I would have got nothing from this a year ago. I would have, you know, just like oh. looked at this and thought, "He's doing that scene," and I'm like, "Ah, there is so much I am able to discern from that because I can feel it now in a certain way, which oh, I could not beforehand."
1: Yeah. So you had like a kind of emotional reference point. Yeah, kind a, of for what they were doing. Yeah,
0: or maybe just a fake emotional re- reference point, like a good, a good uh, emotional point there you go I mean hmm. it, it because I mean like obviously I wasn't feeling all the emotions that that person was feeling in that scene for example because you know um, but like the fact that I had this experience made me sort of empathise with it or not even empathise just feel it a lot more
1: yeah you know, that's interesting that, like I I have had a similar experience with like um, there's something about when you I think get really kind of quiet and you kind of connect with your internal uh, landscape mm. that like I've experienced, just watching like any film, even not a very good one, I feel more affected by what I'm seeing. Mm. Almost because I'm not sure it feels like I'm I'm a little more emotionally sensitive to to just to, to the world, maybe. Yeah. Um. But I I think love is an excellent vehicle for cracking open those mm.
0: yeah those like, tinsel worms. Yeah, indeed. Yeah,
1: because it's very easy to I think be calcified and to like kind of shut yourself off from. The kind of like mm. vibrancy of life, and, and yeah. it seems like artists typically are um, it's kind of that's kind of like the lover energy, mm. um, like in the book King Warrior Magician Lover. Yeah, um, that's like an energy where you really feel things intensely. Mm. And I mean, if you look at the lives of most artists, you know they're they're pretty kind of extravagant, yeah, uh, <laughs> intense feeling lives. Yeah, uh, and that that's like no, actually, you you don't really see like. You know, extremely stoic artists. Who, mm. I mean, I'm sure you do. Yeah, but, but, you, but like the artists again, that you think of yeah. are like flamboyant, or very like extravagant, and they, they they're embroiled in controversies, or they're mm. drug addicts, or like or whatever it is. Like, There's a like,
0: reason Picasso cut off his ear. That sort of thing.
1: Yeah, Picasso. Is that Van Gogh.
0: Or oh, Van Gogh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Especially sure Picasso cut off his <laughs> ear. Yeah. Just classic, dude. Oh, you can tell I go have a university level of education. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh let's bring me back to first year um it wasn't a big thing but like when we were doing a class um and it was something to do with van Gogh, i think and it was just like ah i just just got shut down by Callum just because like oh yeah no van Gogh wasn't popular at this time it was like uh, actually he was and i was like oh okay
1: that's uh... <laughs> it <laughs> yeah those are exactly the types of um those are the types of i don't know it's it it's fun. Like, the reason why I enjoy the class of asceticism is because I feel so out of my depth spe- mm. spe- speaking about anything to do with, like, artistic reflection on, like, the, the poor fisherman by yeah was, or is it yeah yeah like I just like or was it cha yeah yeah like it's enjoyable to like kind of think about subject matter and mm. um shading and like the the composition and stuff like that. It's enjoyable mm. but i I can't help but feel like I'm yeah. shooting in the dark <laughs> I'm, i it, it is just a guess, but maybe that's I don't know that that's part of the experience' like yeah. I'm really comfortable with that and well I mean, if nothing else, it's
0: not every day that you sit down to look at a piece of painting and think, huh, okay. I'm going to spend, like, a very long time examining this thing. uh, And so I can, you know, fully appreciate it. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because I have a relatively short attention span. But, like, I don't know, it's it's very illuminating, sort of just, you you know, having to look at it and try and find all the tiny details which were, you know, hidden or whatever, or just, um, you know, there to be seen, but not to be seen if you're just, like, sort of glancing over it, that sort Mm. of thing. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting doing that, largely because I'm not sure you'd do that for, for poems or whatever, if you're, if you've got time, but like, you know, it's you do, you, the the problem I have with galleries is that galleries do tend to be too huge. That sort of thing. There's always Mm -hmm. another thing which I've got to think, oh shit, well I've got to go see that. That sort of thing. And also, um, the sort of the, the, the general, like, eventually you glaze over, you get, you get museum leg and, you know, you start. Like, thinking, hmm, I, I have absorbed too much today. I cannot absorb any more.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's definitely a limit to how much, like, y- exactly you can kind of appreciate it in mm. one day. <laughs> um, but it's interesting you mentioned that uh, about museums. Uh, I think, uh, I'm curious to know what uh, exhibition experiences or... Um, Gallery experiences have been like the most blissful or impactful on you. Mm, mm.
0: I mean, it's it's quite a difficult question, just because uh, I don't know, like I say, just the, the the gallery thing didn't become such a huge thing until like the last year, which means it's quite a limited one. Um, like the Canadian Gallery of Fine Art was pretty fucking great, but only largely just because it was hilarious. Because I did a course last year on the philosophy of art, and Throughout the whole course, there was a big old thread using the example of Andy Warhol's Brillo boxes, which were just these. Um, uh, he painted like, I can't remember how many, it's something like 23. 23 identical boxes uh, based around this product, Brillo pads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's exactly the same, minus the fact they're made of wood rather than cardboard. Like the design is identical, etc. And my girlfriend at the time, like, she hated it, and I thought, ah, this is brilliant. And so we sort of went around a corner of the room, and there were five of them just there, and we didn't realize it was like, "Ah, oh, this is excellent," and she was like, "Oh, this is infuriating, I hate this and it was it was, <laughs> ah, i I love that it was <laughs> it was such a visceral reaction, you know it was yeah
1: what was it about the what was it about them that you beyond like having the kind of spiteful like yes mm, is, um what what was it about them that was like so interesting
0: too? well i I think it's it's concept art that sort of thing it's it's like uh, you you see a Brillo box and you think that's whatever that's just a you know a box. Um, but you you go to this particular place, you go to this particular you know zone. It's made by a particular person with a particular intention. Mm. And there's like oh I'm trying to bring the fact that this isn't just you know some box. This is someone's you know designed this to make it look really you know pretty in its own little way. Um, and and you know it's it sort of it sort of brings something out which i think is just very smart and very clever um and also for some reason makes humans think it's incredibly valuable um <laughs> which i also love uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah like to the extent where i thought oh i could i could save up 20 grand at some point in my life and buy one of them <laughs> and then i could say i owned a bit of andy warhol i mean that would be pretty great mm. uh, if nothing else um but, yeah, no, my ex at the time said she'd be furious if I did that with such <laughs> a large amount of money. <laughs> yeah,
1: fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, th- there's something, like, about to say about the kind of circus or the, the theatre mm. of, of art, like the whole, like, like at the Tate where you go and you see, like, a like a shovel, mm-hmm. like, just a shovel hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And there's always kind of people, like, looking around like, oh, wow, what? what does it mean?
0: <laughs> Was this um, one of your
1: experiences? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I've also seen, like, looking at, like, the classic, like, red dot something on a canvas or like you kind of very um i don't know I, I don't really know how to describe art like that but it does seem like it's a concept it's yeah like, there is something to say about it like you're actually having a very unique experience when you're trying to decipher what this pile of bricks means mm. or or like why someone would decide to do this uh, that that is certainly like a type of experience yeah um, a type of an artistic experience that certainly hasn't been like my most enjoyable Mm. Exhibition experience.
0: I think just I think the one of the very irritating things about art for me, which is perfectly understandable, uh, is that I don't like going into things unless, of course, I understand something about them. That sort of thing. Like um, there is just a, a very large amount of art history you have to know to be able to, you know, at least largely appreciate something mm. to some extent. Um, I mean, sure, you can get the basic image that sort of thing, and you can think, okay, I can see what he's going for here. But, like, with some more abstract things, like, I don't know, just to go into more to the simplest things, it's like, oh, they decided to do this. That's pretty cool for, I don't know, no particular reason, that sort of thing. Mm. But then you you go deep into it, you have a deep dive, you discover things about it, and you're like, oh, that makes sense suddenly. This is, you know, just part of, you know, some grey expression of such and such.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I see what you mean. I also think that there's, like, a danger of over-intellectualizing the mm-hmm. whole like art experience mm-hmm. and it being like, like getting so broiled in the, um, the symbolism of these, like this certain color palette that was chosen mm-hmm. because it's, it's like, it represents the guy's mother or there's something mm-hmm. to do with that. Like th- there's many layers in for sure. But th- but then there's also like the just aesthetic impact mm-hmm. of like, wow, that something about this weird shape. Yeah. Me. And you, d- you don't really need to know this stuff I guess it's I
0: guess it's kind of like anything though. but I don't know I think that's to some extent that's true but like with more modern stuff and more like abstract things there's just like okay these are some colorful dots that sort of thing which which does look precisely like it's just randomly placed on a on a on a canvas or whatever hmm. and for that you you do you literally like I can't see you know why you would enjoy that without knowing the context of the painting that sort of thing
1: <laughs> like
0: maybe maybe you can maybe you can but like to some extent, I think there's like a society level. Like, you would you prefer something like uh, I can't think of any of your names. I'm just trying to think of just imagining just something which was very basic lines and scribbles. Um, uh, I want to say Kandinsky, but I I don't think I could name a name because Kandinsky's pretty like complex though. Mm, Yeah. Indeed. Maybe like Miro. Miro. Okay. Like
1: that. Indeed. Indeed. Because uh, I do have an. Obviously, where... like Miro isn't complex, but no. it's more like kind of lines and simple shapes.
0: Oh, is either one the, the lines and the red cubes and the blue
1: cubes, or is that... Yeah, there's some the row behind you actually, on the... right there to the left, those the oh, blue the, and white ones. These
0: ones, yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, you see, that's the thing, is, like, that is far less, on a on a basic level, on a just, like, a uh, first glance, there are a lot more, like, you know, uh, old, older, sort of, more Renaissance paintings, which are just far more uh aesthetically complex and interesting than that that sort of thing um and that does add the whole question of oh yeah i could have done that that sort of thing when obviously you couldn't have done that because you know there's probably something very smart behind that but the point is you need to know the context you need to have some sort of understanding of what he's trying to get for you
1: know yeah i mean i look i I see what you mean Mm. but i don't agree with you -hmm. oh fair enough yeah i think that like i think that even uh Art the, like I don't understand much art at all. Mm. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a very much a novice. I don't think I've ever taken an art history class. Maybe like a, a module here or there. But, yeah. but um, I don't know. I, I still feel like I, uh, I really like some pieces of art that don't have that much of like a. I don't know, it, they don't seem to have all that much like quote depth to them. Mm. Like, have you ever seen? alexander calder i think is his name uh, which one's alexander a sculpture calder? artist who like kind of really finely balances just like he's almost like a 3d version of um show oh really okay yeah but like i, I find that really compelling mm. and beautiful um but but it's just because it's like an elegant form mm. I, I i don't i don't actually care about the history of it mm. i just care that it, it there's something pleasing about like the experience of Seeing it and absorbing it. I mean,
0: this this might just be where I'm a massive philistine, but like, I I I I I'm, again, precisely the opposite of view of you. Like, <laughs> I saw I saw the statue of David. I can't remember where, somewhere. Florence. Fl- no, nah, I don't think. It was, I think maybe it was, but maybe yeah, it was it's in good. Florence. It's it's in Florence now, right?
1: Yeah, it, it's been there probably for a long time.
0: I think it moves around though every now and again.
1: It might, it might. Do. Yeah, it did. But it probably walks pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, no, I so we saw that, uh, and other than it just being absolutely gigantic, and much bigger than you think. Uh, I don't know. There was there was something about it. Maybe it's because I it was just my artistic awakening hadn't really happened. But there was something which told which I thought. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That sort of thing. I didn't, I didn't understand, like, anything of the context of it. I didn't understand what, you know, the sculptor was trying to go for, what he was trying to, you know, see. I could just see a big man with some fairly great abs, sort of doing a, a, a weird hand pose and just sort of looking off into the middle distance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any concept for, like, how sculpture had developed up until that point, which made it so, you know, amazing, that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: but I don't think you need any of that. Like, and and I also don't think that you need to, like, feel compelled by every piece of art that you see. Mm -hmm. Like, I I, I don't know. I think it's a... There's definitely a temptation to think, at least from my own perspective, oh, I I don't find this interesting because um, I don't know enough about it. Yeah. But in reality, it's just like, I just don't find it interesting. That's true. And, And that's perfectly okay and i'm I'm not gonna waste my time like learning about something that i just don't
0: care about ah but that's the thing though i do think i would have found it incredibly interesting if i didn't know the history about it that's the thing Mm. i mean this might just be me deluding myself you never know (laughs) um but uh there's something there's something about knowing like a process of something to understand the intentions of something which makes something just so much more interesting like i don't know i was um just watching some videos on the internet the other day and just sort of it was like a little thing um about, uh, like, Harry Potter and the basilisk, that sort of thing. And it was just talking about, like, the the concept of, uh, like, basilisks freezing. Uh, freezing? So, oh, no. Well, so, okay, so basil- basilisks, uh, if, you, if you're if in the Harry Potter world, if you were just to look at a puddle of water and to see the basilisk in the reflection, then you get petrified, that sort of thing. You get yeah. frozen. And it's, like, it's the, the concept of the Gorgon, Medusa, that sort of thing.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And, like... For my whole life, I thought, "Oh, that's a pretty cool story." And then the the guy goes, um, "Well, yeah, no, this is based upon the, the 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 concept of when you see a snake, you freeze." I was like, "Oh shit, you totally do freeze when you see a snake." That sort of thing. That is such a common experience, you know, for 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 you know, so so many stories and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you just hadn't thought of that little part, and then suddenly that makes oh, so much more sense as to the whole thing. And that's just an amazing little bit of enlightenment into that sort of particular myth story.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there does tend to be a kind of key to a lot of those stories. Mm. Like, and and they're often very, very simple. Mm, Yeah. And and it's actually, it's quite, uh, it's quite exciting when you, like, uh, find them out. Like, for instance, I'm writing my dissertation right now Mm. on mythology and things like that and there's this archetypal psychologist called james hillman Mm -hmm. and uh he talks about he was like defining psychology which you think is the study of the mind right Right. but in greek uh psyche is like soul Mm -hmm. and logos is uh well logos is a difficult word to define Mm. but you know some definitions are like logic or reason or you know investigation, yeah. like or, like logical reasoning, um, to combine the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 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 what is it then? It's like the it's the it's the reasoning of the soul, mm. or it's the uh, you know discerning of the soul. That right. that's like what the practice of psychology is. At least if you were to kind of etymologically break it down, and when you do that, you're like, whoa, damn! I guess what what we're doing in psychology is plumbing the depths of our our own selves which is so true mm. that's obviously exactly what we're doing yeah um, but yeah it's, it's like it's little like very obvious like breakdowns of oh just, just pointed it out it's just like oh yeah of course that makes dates. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah it dates um, yeah there's the, quite an interesting kind of seeing behind the, the curtain that sort of thing in a yes. certain sense but also in a kind of a, a more satisfying way than just sort of seeing behind the curtain because Seeing behind the seeing behind the curtain sort of implies you can see the magician's fingers pulling all the strings, that sort of thing, and you're like, oh, okay, the trick's that. Which is, I don't know, pleasing in its own way, but like being able to see how a story just sort of develops from a certain human point of view um, is something, I don't think there's something very, very sort of just amazing about that, about sort of human creation, um, which is in some ways more amazing than the myths themselves, you know.
1: Yeah, well, the, 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 I'm actually I'm writing on this right now. No, and it's about, it's about how the myth is an expression of your own experience. Mm. the The reason why we tell stories and the reason why the greatest stories we call myths are because they're they're true to your life, they're true to your experience. Yeah, all of the time. Mm. The reason why there's like perennial myths of of like the sun gods or heroes is because that's actually. The exact experience that you are having most days of your life mm. in different ways that uh, you know, people resonate with, so that's why when you watch like you know the Avengers films or something, although it's you know fantastical and like uh, Hollywood inflated, yeah. the, the basic themes are there of like challenges and redemption and mm. uh, overcoming struggles and, and things like that. Like, there's something in that story that is actually in your life. And that's what you're connecting to when you find these myths. So, mm. so, um, you know, compelling and interesting. Uh, and that, that, that's actually how meaning that's how you like really discover new meaning in your life. Like mm. when you, when you're watching a kind of like, I mean, this has happened to me. I've been watching like a, a action movie, or not an action movie, but like a superhero movie. Yeah. And there'll be like, there'll be something that, that they do in response to like the main character does in response to some situation where I'm like, I actually relate that to something in my own life like the oh, day yeah. before. Oh, you know, right. I'm like, what? It, it's like, it, it's a weird... Um, it's like a technology because yeah. the fact of the matter is myths come out of humans, mm. right? Humans create them. yeah, And they create them because... Uh, they create them as as functions of their own life. So when you're engaging with the myths, you're, you're also engaging with your own life at the same time. Mm. And like there's a lot of humanity is reflected in the stories that they that it tells so like you that's why you learn like you know yourself through the external projections of yourself yeah in myth um yeah this is a, a really interesting topic that and that that's the reason why these like this thing like the gorgon like of the medusa yeah that was that same theme was like jk rowling just put that into her story and that, that yeah, became a really important part of the story and like yeah. really compelling and that's not because jk rowling came up with it
0: no jk rowling is borrowing in a massive manner but you know yeah. right but yeah. ev-
1: every single tradition has borrowed in that sense yeah. and they're not they're not necessarily borrowing from the tradition before them mm. she may have been inspired that way but they're borrowing from the human experience yeah because it's it's common to all of us mm. so that's like that's why those things are always like touching even 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 if it's, like, Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, indeed. Versus,
1: yeah. like, Medusa. Like, completely different types of things.
0: But it's very interesting, though. I mean, like, just because on the, on a general sort of level, just the Harry Potter has always been very... I think it's probably because it's a children's book and you read it when you're a child, that sort of thing. Or, I don't know, some people read it when they're adults. But still, it's like, you read it and you just, just look at it base level and you go, whoa, crazy, that sort of thing. But, like, you know... There's just like probably this whole other world underneath the surface of you know different themes and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure. Maybe this was just because I'm a very unobservant child, but <laughs> it's like the general threads of love just going through the whole thing. As is, is like you know, and I don't know. It, it feels like I should have I should have paid more attention to that because it was just so obviously just everywhere and that sort of thing. Uh, but
1: but so the um, the thing about. What makes a story great Mm. is that it connects to those, to, like, the very human things in it, Mm. and it incorporates them. Um, So there's actually a reason why you didn't see all the the love threads in the beginning of Harry Potter. And there's a reason why, when you rewatch it, you're not going to find the same things that you found interesting when you were 12. That makes sense. It's because it's a a layered, Mm. like, narrative that has been so successful because it successfully integrated all those different layers of meaning into, like, one... Complex story. It was the same with like Lord of the Rings or Star Trek. Yeah, or Star Trek and also uh, Harry Star Wars. Star Wars that's, that's the one? one. Indeed. Yeah. It's so, like, and there's actually a there's a literal roadmap to writing this thing. It's called the hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So if you like you, George Lucas was reading uh, Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. like as and before he was writing Star Wars, mm-hmm. and like the entire thing was in, was basically inspired by Joseph Campbell's work. And Joseph Campbell was on the set when they were filming.
0: Really, he was like consulting with them. That's
1: cool. So like, his fingerprints all over it, and his fingerprints. He he was basically just a scholar who, you know, pulled together in a very coherent and understandable way, Mm. an intelligible way, all of these themes into like a kind of yeah a a mega theme like Mm. the the monomyth, is what he calls it. But it's no mystery. Like, it, it's never been a mystery actually it's, mm. everybody has known this all the time it's yeah. just it's, it's most, just now most of the time it's codified. yeah indeed. most of the time it's just unconscious like yeah. there's always a canon of myth in like any any culture that, mm. that actually is what a culture is yeah. it's, a, it's a body of myths and I- ideas that mm. keep perpetuating through generations
0: indeed like there's no society which hasn't been held together by stories we tell ourselves yeah I mean although I and then again, it's it's very interesting to sort of figure out like how much people actually believe those myths. I mean, I had a, I had a Greek uh, Greek history t- uh, tutor last year who was who was fairly convinced that the myths were more stories rather than like accepted fact that sort of thing. So I was like, oh yeah, it's, this is something which you know the the Greeks would like sort of you know see the moral in and see like the importance of. Um, But I think also it's like related to like in Plato, Plato's first or second book, where he's like, oh yeah, no, we should stop teaching kids like the myths of, let's say, the Iliad, because that's just not how the gods would behave. Um, And it's like you know, there's there's clearly some uh, unaccepted canon which has been made by humans just for stories. Um, And well, I, I don't know. I think I think the interesting part of that is where where those myths stop being confused for stories and start become you know, the real life adventures of gods in people's eyes and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, there is definitely a, um, I guess this has been kind of definitely a field of interest of mine for a little while now, is like mm. reading mythology as a as metaphor, mm. but also as more than metaphor, as like an actual account of what it means to be human in a, in a kind of imaginal space. Yeah like it essentially reading a myth is like is like having a dream mm. like there there are quasi-human forms it's like a fantastical phantasmagoric like setting mm. and th- things are happening that are a kind of human but kind of not mm. and in that's actually this our psychological reality yeah. like the the extent that I that that someone may be suffering from like paranoia or anxiety or depression that that's entirely based inside of their psychological experience mm. and and it's it becomes very intense becomes very you know manic like you, you can have incredibly blissful experiences of, or or for instance if you're bipolar like all of those things are like happening within the human psychological system yeah and there isn't any quote reality to them like you can't Knock on wood, it's not like a true story in the sense of like I don't know, like you you can't document the places that you went when you were extremely depressed or extremely elated. Mm. But but that is very much the fact of what it means to be human. Yeah. For, for most people, everybody goes through these like fluctuations of of mood, even though life may be very beige in like mm. in, you know like <laughs> you know <laughs> in, in, in like in like a material sense. Yeah, like you can still be walking through a like a beige parking lot and be mm. listening to metallica like be freaking out like all of it is within the psyche so i think Mm. reading myths in a way that you understand okay when i'm doing this i'm actually changing my own consciousness as i'm reading this yeah like i'm actually i'm there Mm. in a sense and uh yeah of course you 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 can debate about what what's the right place to go or or the wrong place to go Mm. but i think that there is this like reality of of images of like psychological images, like the imagination that, that we live in, like everything that is around us was first created in the imagination. Mm. Like an architect comes up with things in their head, draws them on paper. And then slowly that idea that's in that realm is slowly transformed into like a physical space. Then yeah. that's the same with everything around us, like cars and roads and like food, like all of it is like kind of has its genesis in this very squishy realm of ideas mm. and but then we just take the real thing for granted and don't really uh pay too much attention to like the source of it all which yeah. is this this weird space of psyche that it's, it's come out
0: of it. i mean like that's a very interesting point of just like the psyche as in, just just uh, in your personal opinion um because obviously we have material reality that sort of thing but um, allegedly yeah allegedly Let, <laughs> let's <laughs> a lot of relying on this yeah. you know for this general conversation to happen uh, maybe we are just two dots just inside some tiny brain or something but um, yeah no just uh, in terms of that like what's your opinion on like uh, how how sort of just like feelings and thoughts sort of influence people because surely if we just live in a reality we would see a reality that sort of thing and rather, this would just be, you know, we would consider this, you know, a formulation. We'd consider that a corner, and then we wouldn't see anything else past that, and that sort of thing. We wouldn't be touched by anything. We'd see a form, and it's like that is a form, right. you know. Uh, but there are certain, you know, emotional emphasis we put onto things, and you know, like you know, thought in your reading, is there anything? Is there anything from that which you've, you know?
1: Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot.
0: I mean, it's, it's kind of jumping into psychology, psychology a lot there, but, you know.
1: Yeah, but it's all, that was a lot of, like, philosophy of mind. Mm. And I've taken, like, two philosophy of mind courses, and a, a lot of it is, like, it gets, you know, very abstract very quickly. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because it's the definition of, ab- of abstract. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing to put your, hang your hat on, yeah. so to speak. Um, but, like, th- this is where I find phenomenology really like compelling because hmm. it's phenomenology is kind of the study of um of your phenomenal experience yeah of the subjective experience of being a person which is important to note because there is no objective sp- experience of being a person hmm. yeah any objective experience is actually a subjective experience yeah because like, it's know, subject is, is experiencing you're
0: experiencing from your body rather than all the bodies yeah and right because yeah.
1: you you cannot you cannot have a view from nowhere yeah so like the the school of phenomenology with like uh edmund husserl and then heidegger and like merlot ponty and i haven't i haven't really read that much of the other like uh phenomenologists but like for instance heidegger talks about how there's like two ways you actually interact with the world as as a mind mm. you, or like objects i mean and this will be a kind of you know Boiled down, redacted, like bro science version. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some bro science, yeah. But it's like, so say so you have that glass right there for like water. Um, there, there Just are Making sure people at home can hear it. Yeah, <laughs> it does exist. I yeah, think. <laughs> it does make a sound. There, there are ontic properties to it. There's like physical properties to it, mm. which include the sound that it makes and and the hardness of it and its weight and what it looks like, like the the physical properties of of an object. Mm. And uh, then there's also the the utility of the object. It's so, like there's a reason for its for it being there. Yeah. So there's there's what's called objects that are present at hand, which is basically just things that you can observe and like make scientific measurements about, like mm-hmm. I just said. And then there's things that are ready to hand or objects that are ready to hand, which means that you use them in intentional action. So like mm-hmm. you have a glass, you're not thinking about the weight and the, the feel of the glass, you're just using it to drink water.
0: Yeah.
1: And you like, and it's the same as like writing. Like if you, if you're writing, you're not thinking about the pen and all of like the, the weight and load the mechanics of the ink and shit. You're just yeah, like going for emotion. You're thinking yeah. about the words that you're putting through it. And yeah. The pen is in a sense becomes you mm. same with driving. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I don't actually have a driver's license, but I know that many people that do, if you drive like a, you know, a standard stick shift car, yeah. um, you, you, you automatically are shifting the gears. And, like, you, your body has merged with... I
0: mean, probably the same is true for cycling. Yeah,
1: yeah right, exactly. It. So you, you, your body merges with the vehicle and you your sense of self is expanded. Yeah. Right? And, just... and so to what extent does that... What does that mean about what it means to actually have a sense of self? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's also studies with, like, people with phantom limbs. Like, yes. You know, people who yeah. don't have an arm anymore or lost it and they, they actually mm-hmm. still feel... Yeah, that's, that's the in interesting thing. Limb. Yeah, So, like... All of these things I think i I can't quite remember your, <laughs> your initial question
0: no, it was about emotions. it was about like emotions uh, yeah. being like um like sort of a separate form that sort of thing like if uh you know we talk about utility of a thing,
1: does that include an emotional utility as well uh, good, good good question yeah. so i in terms of phenomenology i I don't remember mm. um, anything that heidegger specifically said about like emotions and things like that yeah she was more interested in like the, the being like the, the ontological properties of being in the world mm-hmm. so like what it means to have a body and to use it in the world and to relate to an external world i just may not have read what he said about emotions but like my own yeah. personal experience is that the way that you engage with your emotional landscape has primacy over pretty much everything else mm-hmm. Like if you if you aren't able to regulate your emotions, if you aren't able to direct your mental um, energy to the places that it needs to go, if it keeps getting distracted by other things, then uh, I think it's very difficult to live, live a happy life. Yeah, so and that's like, that's like a very important skill that needs to be learned in order to do most of the things.
0: Because you are thrown in the wind, otherwise, you know, you are just um, going where the breeze takes you because you know you are just getting affected by stimuli and you know reacting badly to it.
1: Right, so, or, so then yeah, it brings yeah. in the question of, of, of will. Cause, yeah. cause, so w- what is the locus of your awareness that is actually the subject of all of those differing emotions? Mm. Like, is there actually a difference between my, like it, Descartes' term, like, the, the thinking thing, mm. and then the anger that comes up, or, or the lust, or, mm. the, or the fear? Like, what is the distinction between, are those parts of myself there's a whole very compelling psychological like model like internal family systems about the different parts of your psyche and how they actually interact with each other and how they have different functions they're they're all kind of trying to protect you in some way or serve you ser- serve the mind but that can mean in one sense like pushing pushing some things away or being very angry at times so i don't, i mean this is
0: fascinating. Yeah, well, no, my my whole point was, I was about to lead back just to um, like, with this will that sort of thing, just like putting it onto an image, an artistic image that sort of thing, that doesn't seem to, I don't know, it it seems like a complicated thing to relate, is the point Um, I mean, much more complicated than just realising, making this thing part of my being by drinking out of it or whatever Um, because you are just, you are you are uh, especially if you're doing it in like a much higher form and a very critical way. You're looking at it and you're deciphering like an artist's intentions and you're looking through, you know, the various choices he's made to make a particular emotion felt, that sort of thing. It's it's I don't know, it's it's a complicated part using logic which somehow leads to emotion, which mm-hmm. is you know which, which I was just like trying to, you know, see what your opinions were on
1: because it's well, I, so I thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'd like to know um how do you experience creativity? Uh,
0: how do I experience creativity? As in yeah. my creative process? Yeah, like um, so,
1: because that—that that, that is kind of what you're talking about, like the creative process of mm-hmm. transmuting emotions that are, you know, that are very personal and internal mm-hmm. into external form that other people can. Engaged with and interact with in their own mm. subjective way. Well, that's
0: that's. Uh, I mean, that's suggesting that I'm I create work to, for it to be interacted by other people. That's like it's, okay, you know, that's it's not enough. entirely for myself. Not to say that I don't mind people, you know, reading my stuff. It's just like you know, um, I, I I'm not exactly published or anything. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Largely, a lot of the stuff that I have written, I noticed, was based uh, around uh, girls. As, as you do uh-huh. um, and it was all based around just like just, just the very very new feelings and in fact no it is it is totally love related I have, I have not an interesting bone in my body when it doesn't come to that unfortunately <laughs> I wish I could write more about my rage my rage and my fury so I could join a metal band but um, yeah no it's very it's very one sided I was, I was looking over a few of my bones beforehand just uh, before we did start the podcast and it was all about, uh, end of second year, uh, been to a party and felt very, very close to this one girl, that sort of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, no, um, yes, I should definitely do something about this in some form. And I just went to a, I went to the park next to the train station in Egham uh, sat down, summertime, lovely day, just sort of just started getting out writing just because I was feeling incredibly lovely and I was thinking, Oh, yes, it is. It's very nice to not feel like a teenager anymore. Um. Yeah, um, so that, I don't know. It's 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 all based around romantic feelings. That's my thing because uh, that's very powerful, they're powerful to me. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, like I noticed that half of them are good love, other half are like, ah oh, shit, um, <laughs> I have no way of doing this. That sort of thing. That's
1: a good proportion. I feel like. Yeah, indeed,
0: half be, and half is all right. Easily yeah. skewed. Yeah, I I just need to tell you know. Past lines to have written a few more, so he could have evened the scales a little bit more. But uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah indeed, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Looking back at all that stuff uh, during the sad times, would have wrote maybe even write even more sad poetry. So you know,
1: mm.
0: indeed, oh, the whole canon. You know,
1: but okay. This is, I think, because part of the way that I experience creativity is by almost alchemizing feelings that I find difficult or. Um, the, like feelings that I'm struggling with or feelings that are like kind of almost like used to this like, so exuberant that they need to be released mm. and, uh, turning those into uh, you know words like in poetry or or drawing or, or sculpture or something like like clay mm. um, yeah I often find that the experience of turn, taking the inside and putting it into something outside mm. that is incredibly empowering
0: Yeah, no, it's a a very big self-realizing project and nothing else. Even if
1: it's not, like, because I also noticed, like, throughout the process of doing that, I'd be like, oh, this doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. I'm going to stop now. Mm -hmm. But, like, once you keep pushing through those little stages of, like, oh, this doesn't look like anything, oh, and now I need to add all this color to it. Mm -hmm. Once you finish at the end, you're like, wow, something almost, uh, you know, magical or alchemical just occurred here Mm. and the fact that this was a blank piece of paper and now it's got like all of this all this experience on it Mm. um which is yeah there's something uh almost addictive about it yeah except for the fact that i i do it in like starts and stops like i i will find i will have creative periods and this is part of why also getting into more deep practices like, like this. Like, I, I find one art form that I want to get better at is conversation. Mm. And having yeah. a podcast is a perfect way to, to practice that. Indeed. And to also... Um,
0: oh, well, a very specific kind of conversation.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. in a sense, but, like, this conversation's gone all over the place.
0: That's very true. That's very and, true. But, I mean, what I mean to say is it's a very specifically... We are having a conversation right now rather than, you know... ah these are two strangers suddenly in a room <laughs> what do you do
1: right but but that, that's exactly it like i want to be able to get into like the sinew of like the, the flow of conversations where time completely dilates and mm. i'm able to uh, think about things in ways that i haven't before mm. that um is only possible when you begin practicing how to do that and like the i'm already finding the more that i record conversations with people the more that i'm able to um go back to places where i feel like i, I could develop ideas in a certain yeah. way things like that so that that's a very well I was going back
0: to that part. podcast we had the other day about what was it transpersonal uh, psychology yeah uh, the the third third way the sort of the conversations between people because it is the the best way of you know either getting criticism or just discussing. extending right? extending yeah that's it yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, just sort of trying to talk to yourself about your issues, that's, that's fine. You know, you might you might gain something, but someone else outside your body can see you are being a dick about this. <laughs> you know, you may not think you're being a dick about this because you are the hero of your own story. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when another person tells you that, you're like, oh, oh, OK, you may not want to listen to them. But you're, you, you've are you been very clearly sent a message there. That sort <laughs> of thing. Um, hopefully neither of us are being called, you know, just casually called penises by our friends, but, you know, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're a lot more lovable than that at this stage in our life. But you
1: never know, indeed. Uh. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: so what, what is your art? My
0: art? Um, well, I mean, like, I do write. That's, that's basically my main thing at the moment. I have been... Uh, ignoring the prospect of getting into drawing because I didn't really want to get into rank like at the beginning of last term, but um, it's one of those things which just didn't happen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I I I like writing because I just don't have the I've I've never had the technique for anything else. Like what I've what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. what I've what I've had the thought of since like last year, last winter. I had a great just day walking in like the, the one of the earliest snowfalls in uh, whatever. December or January in Canada, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I want to fucking learn violin and just do shit like that." Um, Because I did, I did do a lot of music back at school, but I never had the commitment for it because I was a very lazy lazy teenager. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I just thought, yeah, I should, I should definitely come, come back at some point and go back to my music lessons, go back to singing and piano, because. If nothing else, it would just be really charming to be able to just you know play a tune on piano to some some random house and just go hey here's a Christmas <laughs> tune or whatever you know yeah. at Christmas time of course because you know having a Christmas tune in Easter would be ridiculous uh, <laughs> yeah no I mean yeah so I do I do really want to get back into into the music
1: you so th- what I mean one thing that I really like thinking about is the, is the prospect of getting into new artistic forms. Mm. Um, what are your
0: like? Well, the new ones I want to get. Into, yeah. Well,
1: or, or, or I guess ones that you'd like to pick up that you don't currently. Well, you see,
0: the thing is, Alex does just have a lot of paint downstairs, and I'm like, I should definitely borrow that at some point. And I have been constantly sort of saying this, on and off, but I suppose it's just quite a big thing of yes, I have to, I have to arrange that. I have to, I have to arrange a time to do some drawing because there were a couple of summers ago when I just I did a lot of painting with my brother, um, like just uh, in in garden, whatever it was. After first year, I think, or after second cool. year, um and it was just it was just very just a very nice creative experience, very straightforward, very easy. Um,
1: I'll I'll paint with you, bro.
0: Yeah, I'd love to paint with you. Indeed. Let's just, it's it's springtime, you know? Let's yeah. get outside and do some things. Um, yeah, it's, it's a portraiture going. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> I don't think mine would be that flattering. Not because I don't love your face, it's just, you know, I don't think I've got the technique for it. Yeah. We
1: could do a series, you know, yeah. hang yeah. up in the shed.
0: That'd be great, indeed. And hopefully, gradually they resemble your head more and more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could do a futurist, this, cubist version of...
0: Uh, this will totally go over... Uh, the heads of people at home. But um, this is just I was starting to draw something vaguely nice and well not vaguely nice, but I was trying to draw someone vaguely nice and then I ended up with that. Whoa. <laughs> Basically it's uh it's it's Whoa. it's a very it's very it's a very miserable looking picture of a lady, let's say. Um, yeah. Largely just because yeah, I don't know.
1: Maybe we'll include a picture of it in the show notes. Yeah, nice. That'd be good. That would be good. <laughs> Freak out the audience. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I would like to try my hand at painting. I, I don't. I honestly can't remember the last time I've ever really tried that. Mm.
0: Um, yes. No. I didn't ask. What's What's your art?
1: What is my art currently? Yeah. Um. I mean, well, I'd pretty busy I'm, at the moment, but yeah. I say I'm I'm practicing conversation mm-hmm. as an art. Yeah. Um, trying to make that a yeah consistent part of my life. Yeah. Um but you know i i've I've really enjoyed sculpting with clay. it's mm-hmm. like really enjoyable for me. um I did ceramics in high school, like I did a, an a p which is close to a, an A level in it right um really love doing that, and yeah, I guess things are very busy now with like an incredible amount of schoolwork and mm-hmm. uh other things like that, but one art form that i i I really want to try is stained glass oh wow yeah that'd be great i really want to try like making like uh just panels of, yeah. like in, like maybe abstract forms and then uh, i don't know like flowers or like or, or hearts mm-hmm. I, I don't know like I, I just feel like there's something really cool about seeing like sunlight streaming in through stained glass that mm-hmm. I, I want to get to a point where um i could like you know fill a kind of well Maybe make panels for a dome. Yeah, that'd be cool. In the future, that like a stained glass cool. dome.
0: It's not it's not very similar at all, but you've seen those like little Venetian glass models, those sorts no, of I'm sorry. Have you not? Oh okay. Well basically uh, they just blow glass and they just bend it into really tiny ornate little animal shapes, that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's really neat stuff. Uh, they just got lots of little colors and that sort of thing, and it's they've sort of like managed to just poke the little bits. Uh, I don't quite know what the full technique is, but like just the blowing glass thing, it just looks the really awesome. Glass, yeah, did. Cool, it does it. look really cool yeah that would be that would be I was I don't know when I was little because I was quite into fancy games I, I always thought yeah it'd be great to be a blacksmith that sort of thing because <laughs> <laughs> that's a good art form that's like oh yeah, yeah I'm making cool. things out of metal you know with my hands really hammering some shapes yeah. um, although cool. I do have a feeling I wouldn't be very good at it uh,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah and to be fair I'm, I'm, I'm from a family of carpenters on my dad's side oh really yeah I am but uh Is your dad a carpenter? No, no, he's an architect. Well, basically, my great-granddad was a carpenter, then my granddad was, like, uh, an engineer, both of uh, nuclear and aeroplanes. Oh, wow. Not at the same time. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, the point is, other than uh, a family plane, you know, the thing that they use for carving down wood, not not the aeroplane type, but um, other than that, I have literally seen, I don't think, any actual homes products let's say
1: huh.
0: none, none nothing no no artifacts i don't think which is interesting considering so many years and you'd assume that they didn't just do it 100 percent commercially they would have had some things some memorabilia that
1: sort of thing like yeah
0: you, you already family crafts
1: oh yeah i mean yeah. my one of my uncles is doing a lot of woodworking now mm. um in his retirement yeah i was i, I have a, a one of his wooden spoons around here somewhere i can't i don't know where it went um but, yeah, the, do, you, do you know the lathe? The like, lathe, yes. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the thing too. Yes, indeed. Like spins see. and then you... Yes, that one, that one, indeed. Yeah. I was there's, doing, I was there's, doing there's,
0: the plane motion again, indeed, <laughs> when I should have been doing the lathe. Then. Yeah,
1: indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that. I mean, my dad's extremely creative. Mm. Like, I mean, if you listen to the previous episode of the podcast or you know, one of the previous episodes, uh, we, talk, we talk about his creativity a lot, which I, I find very inspiring. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a great... Great uncle on my dad's side, who has the patent for uh, the cow grates that they put in front of locomotives. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, the the guy's dead now. And the the patent is probably. Wrong. Oh yeah, but still, that's, but, but that's, he, that's he, he, like,
0: a really it. interesting claim to fame there. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think I think he actually also invented the snow plow. Really? For for um. That's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. like like the big ass plow that, yeah. they put, that they put in front of a train. I guess he would just like. Right place, right time. just invented that. Yeah, I no, um, that's awesome. Yeah, but I can't, like, otherwise, I mean, no, I think, I, I think the people in my family are quite creative. Mm. Like, yeah. To be fair, the thing,
0: this was, this was, this was quite a big, a big turn off for me, was that, on my mum's side, my, my grandma, uh, and my mum, are both very artistic, uh, in, you know, paint, and that sort of thing. Um, and so was my sister my brother, to some extent. Um, my brother actually tried, actually does... He's, I've got a couple of posters up in my room next door. Um, I've seen them. Yeah, cool. they're very cool stuff. He hasn't done much recently, but, you know, busy, busy. But anyway, the thing was that I was always under the impression that uh, I was shit because uh, I, you know, started off shit because I was a child of being shit, that sort of thing. <laughs> and there's no matter how many people thought, yeah, no, no, you're not that bad. I was like, no, I'm terrible, that sort of thing. So I think, I think that's another, another sort of thing, which is what kind of, might have, might have just put me off the whole child, going, going back a bit, but it might have put me, I don't know, maybe me less artistically exploratory, Let's say that.
1: Yeah, a ch- I mean, child is a very formative. crucial time yeah. for having the right amount of um, hmm. support and encouragement. Yeah, And I mean... Nobody starts off mm. you know, being incredible or anything.
0: Yeah, and that sort of thing also started my love for murder, etc. <laughs> you <know. laughs> good old childhood. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. All right. Well, I. You know what? I've got a little surprise for you at <gasps> the end. I'm gonna let's do a little bit of uh, what I like to call a word association. Ah. So I'll give you. What do you say? You like to
0: call it? That's what it's called. It's, this is what it's called. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. Well, run these words by you, you must answer with okay. the first word that comes into your mind. Okay. Um just a little way of, you know, seeing what's going on in there, oh. really. Oh, okay. Um all right, cool. Ready? Ready. Cambridge. Red. Goat. Orange. Mother. Goat. <laughs> refined sugar. Uh, cake. Avocado. Stone. Nostril. <laughs> Black. Crayon Wave. Night. Day. Yellowstone. <laughs>
0: Fox. Wolf. Wolf.
1: Yeah. Wolf. Yeah, indeed. Remember. Uh, f- oh um No that that's it. Oh okay, good. Okay, cool. Remember Remember Yellowstone. <laughs> remember Yellowstone,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well thank you You for, got uh... me there, yeah. Thank you very much, indeed.
1: Alright. Aragogosamos. Aragasamos. Have a good night. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Night all. Stay safe.